Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. One's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's going to have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable with myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut. Shut up. Okay, Alex, what does you 2 Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, Duran Duran, B.B. King, and the since-cancelled Eric Clapton all have in common. Hmm. Stadium? <laughs> Stadium rock. <laughs> Technically, yes. No, they. I was diving into the history of the AIA Centre, uh-huh. Collingwood State-of-the-Art Revamp Training Facility, uh, formerly the Lexus Centre. Mm-hmm. Originally before that was a swimming pool for the 56 Olympics in Melbourne, was built for, for, the, um, for the Olympics. But for the majority of its life was a concert venue in Melbourne called the Sports and Entertainment Centre. What, right there next to the Motordome? Next to the Motordome, on the Motordome, next to the Greyhound track. Okay. And all of those bands have performed at Collingwood's Elite Training Centre. Isn't that cool? That's a high echelon of performers. That's really good, isn't it? I think that's like, you know, there's a lot of rock and roll pedigree um, that's maybe not, you know, not uh, celebrated <laughs> with a club. I maybe know. That's, and now you know, you'd, you'd struggle to get down that bloke from Noiseworks, let alone people <laughs> of that caliber. I think we'd get him. You know, uh, John Stevens, is it? You know yeah. how Fly's been really big on sort of bringing back the past, you know, Collingwood, the historian, Victoria Park. I think they should get Bono. Just bring, like, oh. Bono to the club. Ultimate celebrity arms race. A celebrity arms race. Like, we had the Manchester United dude down there, <laughs> Dwight York, this week. I don't know if you saw that. But, like, get get some of those or the blues legend BB King. I think he's dead. Maybe not him. Not Definitely not Eric Clapton. Maybe Slash. Oh, my God. Just, bring, fo- just focusing on the 80s. Fly them out. Fly them out. And then, you know how Fly's been doing those kind of, like, pre-mat uh, sort of those, those training sort of uh you know anecdotes where he sort of brings in different people and you know the handout jumpers and stuff like that like get slash in the top hat to talk about his memories probably wouldn't be very strong memories but his memories <laughs> of performing yeah, at yeah. the glass house in 1988 and just the synergies between putting on a um you know an expressive hard rock show in front of thousands. Imagine and slash elite sports performance. Slash in the center of the huddle at Marvel Stadium with his top hat on, just head banging. <laughs> I think I think they should actually do that. I think they should fly out, you know, because we've been talking about how, you know, <clears throat> a bit of fanfare at home games. And the issue is that that I find is that, and it's very unique to Australian sport and it's very unique to AFL, is unlike, you know, America and England, we don't have 
you know, home fortresses. Like mm. we share we share the MCG with uh, what is it like eight teams. Mm. So it never fe- it never truly feels like ours are a home home game. Imagine fly here's the here's the idea, here's a pitch. Fly out slash mm. put him on the top of the Shane Warne stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have him perform a solo of, of good old Collingwood Forever. Yeah, Mad Max kind of strings attached to him. So he's kind of leaning in yeah. on the edge of the stand. I mean, would that not be fucking incredible? <laughs> Solo guitar. I saw um I saw Flea um from the Chili Peppers um performed, I think it was this week as well, performed the uh the national anthem at a Lakers game on bass. It was really cool. And it's like it's just it's a funny thing to watch. It's just it's really cool. He was getting into it, he was really, you know, doing the full flea treatment. And um, you know, it's just it's just I don't know, it's just left field crazy so would shit. Slash be soft cap. <laughs> because what, what's the number what's the number in Slash's head uh, I, I reckon it's, Jeff Brown could make it work yeah he can uh, he's it been, Jeff Brown's been fucking brutal at the AFL he's, I think he went again I think he had another swipe um, last week so if anyone can make it work Jeff Brown oh, can, Jeff Brown can make it work raised heels <laughs> look Slash it's only going to work if they've got a tour coming and they do so they need to promote oh, they do, do you they? know if they added a second show and they needed to you know sell a quick 25,000. I think we could make it work for um, 150k. Oh, I reckon that's I think he's that's he's, like, he, it's two, he's minutes, wanting, two minutes work. He's wanting more than that. Maybe pri- yeah, private jet, helicopter onto the ground. So it's mm. like a 15 minute gig for him. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. Lower him down to the top of the Southern, yep. the Shane Warne stand. Um, Dry clean the top hat. Oh, it's just a fabulous idea. Be pretty good, wouldn't it? Be pretty good. All right. Well, um, let's do it. Slash MCG. Okay, we've got a new segment that we've um we're gonna throw into the docket today. Mm-hmm. And it's a segment where we very briefly review the previous rounds through the lens of a film. And this week it is, of course, the cats versus pies, the movie. Yeah. I want this to be a free-flowing session with you, Alex, so please jump in. I'm going to do the first one. Got and it. And this, this is the game as I saw it. Yeah. Again, through the lens of a screenplay. So, we, of course, in film have our hero. And my hero from this week was Jamie Elliott. Mm. Yeah, got ja- that. Jamie Elliott. Jamie Elliott's been building, right? He's been building this whole year. He's had some solid performances. He hasn't had a breakout game. He's had some really strong games, but I felt like this one was a really consistent in and under, at times flashy, but solid and dependable game from Jamie Elliott. Do you know what he at looks time, like? He looks like he, look he can like? do anything. He was a small forward who played taller than he was most mm. of his career, injury prone. He mm. now looks like he can play midfield. He can go on the inside, he can finish on the outside. He, he's just He's got this broad array of talents and... They're mm. shining later in his career, I think probably because he was injured for so long. Yeah, so he's kind of had those patches where he wasn't playing. So he's in, in a way, he's, he's extended his career by, yeah, I like that theory. I mean, his hamstrings must be, I mean, NASA should be studying his hamstrings because the explosive energy yeah. that he has for a small player. Vertical leap. The vertical leap. The, you know, he's fast across the ground. He has this big kind of like swooping kick style. Yeah. Which is beautiful to watch. Yeah, he was he was a hero for me. Was there anyone else that that caught your eye? Well, just on Elliot? just on Jamie. Do you know when he won my heart? Um, when he got caught urinating in public. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I've got rose tinted <laughs> glasses on. I think it was yeah. after his first 
year on the on the senior list, like on a proper wage with Collingwood, mm. because he mm. he kind of came from the clouds. Like he wasn't. I don't think he was a super high draft pick for memory. We we'll have to look into that. No, no, he was like he was a certain. Wasn't he a guaranteed pick for West Sydney? Oh, really? And I don't know if it was Gubby Allen or whoever it was at the time. Sort of like saw the potential and wrestled him out of it. Well, he's he's rejected overtures from other clubs. I think Melbourne came calling a couple of years ago, mm. and he's mm. he's stuck fat, so loyal. So that won our mm. hearts. But mm. what really won my heart originally was, I believe, after his first paycheck, the end of his first year, <laughs> which would have been, I think, the average is you know three hundred grand or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, he bought a house for his mum. Oh, we he, love it, don't we? He's a Euroa boy and he, yeah. he cut his teeth with some like gnarly personal trainer like running up the hills outside Euroa before mm. he got drafted. Mm. And then he spent all his, um, his coin that first year on, on a house for his mum, which was just heartwarming. Love, Jamie. Mm. What does 300 get you in Euroa at that time? Four bedroom? Oh, yeah. I mean, 300 grand. You'd get back in back in what twenty fifth? What was it? You're talking about half an acre with an apple tree out the back. <laughs> yeah, you get a dam. Yeah, some <laughs> asbestos eaves. Um, you know the whole works. I love Euroa though. Beautiful. Shout out to um, Finn Murphy, old school mate of mine who runs the mm. uh, Sevens Creek Hotel. Okay, I thought you were going to say the Butter Factory. No. What what I like what I like about the Euroa connection with Jamie Elliott, and I think we should do a deep dive on this at, at Pie Hard, But the the number of Collingwood football players who played their junior football career mm. for a, for a team called the Magpies. Oh, they're the Maggies, are they? Yeah, that that have only ever worn black and white stripes. I mean, there couldn't be too many going around. I just love the, the stories of the players that come from those small, you know, Victorian regional towns. Like Steel Cybottom's the obvious one, and Steel. Mm. Steele actually played in a cricket, like, low-level grand final with a mate of mine. Mm-mm. And to this day, despite Steele's, like, high achievements, you know, in the game, premiership winning pie, whenever he sees my mate Nico, he's, yeah. he says to him, how about that grand final, mate, when we were batting together <laughs> yeah. at the death? <laughs> so humble. Yeah, it's, it says a lot. It says a lot about the man. Says a lot about the man. I can't wait. I think this has been touched on a bit, but I can't wait for Steel Side Bottom to not finish his career with Collingwood. But when he does, mm. go back and play an extra like three hundred games for the Shep Swans or yeah. you know, the Shep Bears or whatever the fuck they're just called. Just this bold like nugget. Just yeah, age yeah. fifty. Just, just playing coach, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just like it, it'd be so good. And we'll have to, you know, we'll have to go up. I think it'd be remiss of Pie Hard not to go up. You know, reverse the car in against the fence. You know, crack open oh, a few cans, get on the, the horn, horn, get on I mean, the horn every it'd be time. An interesting segment in general, like which ex pies are dominating local footy at any level, mm. because there'd be a few that you just don't hear about, right? Like I remember Fev, not that he's an ex pie, going up to the what was it the the Wodonga pigeons or the, Wogga, the pigeons, Wogga, Wogga, Yarrawonga, Yarrawonga, Yarrawonga pigeons. pigeons, and I remember like seeing a clip on YouTube of him like <laughs> literally Kick. fly kicking a boundary throw in for a goal. Um, but- he was kicking like bags, wasn't he? He was kicking like 19 goals. Yeah, wasn't unstoppable. He? Yeah, it was um, insane. Because I think in those lower levels, there's still the role of that traditional full forward. You can't get around them. Yeah. Um, anyway, but there's got to be pies out there. Pie harders, um, if you've got any knowledge of pies out there dominating local leagues, perhaps we'll do a hard ask at some stage. At Pie Hard Podcast. Okay, Villain. Um, I think we're aligned on this one. I'm going to go with uh, Joel Selwood. Yeah, I mean, it's low-hanging fruit, isn't it? 
<laughs> he is. Look, th- this is my take on the the Joel Selwood thing. It's it's not actually Joel that really gets me uh, in in the current context. And this is actually going to be my hard no. So this would be a double mm, up. Mm, mm, mm. Go. It's that you know, it's not Joel and the fact that he's built his career on drawing free kicks and he's proven to be this kind of dirty red line fever type, mm. you know, in moments throughout his career. But it's actually mm. during the week. It's attempts by the mainstream footy media to outlaw yeah. the freedom that we have to debate like yeah. players and, and, yeah. our, and our right to heckle and boo. Yeah. yeah. And big on like our right as yeah. supporters to go to the footy and, and boo opposition Absolutely. players. Absolutely. Obviously, there's a line like, you know, and we saw it with the Adam Good saga, but with someone like Joel Selwood, he's done enough in his career to warrant, warrant the ire of opposition mm. supporters, and I think that it's plain for all to see that you know he's he's exploited the rules to his benefit, which you know good on him. Perhaps that's a clever thing to do, but that comes with mm. repercussions. Mm. And what I hate about it is that the mainstream footy media just perpetually seems to underestimate the footy IQ of the mob. Now mm. we watch <laughs> footy, right? We understand Sometimes. what we like and don't like in opposition mm. players. When we see something we don't like behaviorally. We have the right to boo, to heckle. To call it out. To, to dis- call it out. dislike them over the mm. fence. And even Nathan Buckley jumped on and said, it's, you know, it's words to the effect that it, it's disgraceful how Collingwood supporters treat Joel Selwood. We, we, we know our footy and we don't like the way he goes about it. Sure, he's been a great leader for that team and he's, he's mm. been a warrior and all those things and he's got a, he's got a mortgage on head bandages for the rest of his life <laughs> and possibly some after-career, you know, mental demons to come. But... The fact is that Joel <laughs> too far. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's go with it. Yep. The fact is that like he is the villain because mm. he plays the villain role because he's mm. he wears his heart in his sleeve. He's incredibly proud, you know, defender of of his his boys. And um, there's a few moments where he just got exposed by younger players, and it was great to see. Mm. Yes. Okay. So what's the bet with Joel Selwood? Because there's a Selwood connection at Collingwood, so here's here's my here's my like crystal ball here. This will happen. I, I guarantee this will happen. Joel Selwood will retire from Geelong. Mm. He will become an assistant coach at Collingwood. Oh no! And he'll be an assistant coach at Collingwood when we win a premiership. Forever etching his name in a smaller, you know, administrative support capacity as a Collingwood premiership assistant coach. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. And if we're talking about movies, you can almost see it, right? You can almost see it kind of unfolding in the um, in the in the script in the Marvel kind of universe, if you will. And the, the villain vi- becomes the the hero. That villain kind of character. The, the infuriating thing about Selwood is, it's like everyone's you know, it's like we live in Russia and everyone's telling us that the media is telling us that Putin yeah. is, is a defender of their freedom. liberties, and freedom. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't you, wash. When it you know wash. as a supporter that like mm. there's other perspectives and legitimate perspectives on this, and yeah, sure, maybe it's a stretch to compare Joel Selwood with Vladimir Putin, bane of democracy, human rights, and the free world. Mm. But as a supporter, you know that it's not right to shut down debate based on mm. some idea that certain players from longevity and experience in the game are somehow above and beyond the opinion and the critique of the mob because – Barracking over the fence is a foundation of our game and it's why we go to the footy and we'll do it in a manner in which we see fit. 
not the mainstream media. Th- those AFL campaigns when they know it's a it's a um you know a, a champion of the game, you know, approaching a milestone and they kind of do the pre-recorded bit that yeah. runs, you know, with the voiceover and the dramatic movie, the music and stuff like that. It's like they 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 go so hard into it that whatever happens during the game, yeah, they have good to or stick bad, with it. They they have to stick with it, and they're just they're, they're too deep. And I think the missive goes out to all of the AFL journalists as well, which is like just you know whatever happens, just leave it. Just this it's round, it's classic, isn't it? It's it's an ex- classic example of a discourse, a dominant discourse where mm. you have to talk about something in certain way and mm. it actually outlaws other ways of talking about that particular mm. thing and there was even a moment when luke in the commentary when luke darcy joel selwood <laughs> drew a free he broke, kick. broke rank did he he drew a free kick joel selwood and luke darcy was like he's joel's been fantastic he's made a career you know out of out of uh drawing uh, you know free kicks like that and he as he's saying it he realized that it could come across as critical and he kind mm. of then tried to soften it <laughs> It's quite yeah. awkward. He's like, you know, but he is a legend. It reminds me of that clip. I think it was in the last test series um, when Australia was playing Pakistan. I think it was Michael Kaspervitz was was commentating. I don't know if you saw this, but they, they were just playing cricket. They, the whole test was just played on these absolute concrete goat tracks, you know, and <laughs> yeah, everyone was sc- score, scoring in, in excess of 600. And obviously the missive had come down from the Pakistani cricket board to stop talking about the the – yeah, the pitches. Yeah, oh, we're going to loose the Taliban onto you. Yeah, and and I remember Casper at one point was talking about how bad the pitch was, and he just had to like he instantly clocked what he said and retracted and was like, "Oh, but it's a wonderful, it's been a fantastic pitch." And you know, we've we've seen a lot. You, you just you could just see the sort of revolver come in from like right of yeah, screen to totally. the to the temple. Um, anyway, so let's move on. This is a nice little segue from villain into um, the next portion of the review, which is. The love scene. Now, Ooh. every every film has that moment, right, where, um, you know, there's a little bit of uh, sparks fly. There's a little bit of romance. Maybe we, uh, a couple of characters, um, you know, show, show us what they're made of. Mm. My, my, now, there was a couple of love scenes in this one, none mm. of them in the fourth quarter, but my love <laughs> scene was Young Curtain's Oliver Henry chasing down Selwood. Oh, yeah. In the forward line. Yeah. Poetry in slow motion. I couldn't make the game in the end, but I was up on the couch. I haven't had like such a roller coaster emotional experience in a game since the 2018 grand final. That's what kind of game it was like. I was on it the was. couch it was like, bouncing yeah, it was like, up and down. Yeah. It was just that moment. I mean, not only was he our first draft pick from last year, Curtains. <laughs> Um, you know, he's the oldest player on their team, you know, mm. legend in his milestone game. I mean, it was just poetic justice. And then the ensuing brawl, I mean, the mm. whole thing was just a big orgy of fun for the pies at that stage anyway. Oh, my God. The, the third quarter, it was like emerging from the toilets at Revolver. Your heart was just <laughs> beating through the chest and, yeah. and and then the come down was, oh, my God, it was savage. Was savage. Yeah, you've really got to time the drop with these uh, these young <laughs> players. You, you go too early, and um, it's all over. Downers and uppers, and all right. So uh, there's a plot twist, of course, and we are talking about. I mean, has there ever been uh, the plot twist is the fourth quarter, the empty tank? But has there ever been a more stark difference in quarters between what we saw in the third quarter? Yeah, which is just pure elation, adrenaline, and you know. Classic premiership quarter stuff. Yeah. To what we saw in the fourth. And again, with Collingwood, it seems to always be the slow motion car crash where you're like, you just know 
you know they're done, you know they're cooked. Mm. Yes know- and no. Yes and no, because I'm interested, and there's been a debate on our WhatsApp group about this, to what degree is the new game plan of forward handball and take the game on and use the corridor and, you know, chaos ball, to what degree has that did that just set up the conditions for the fourth quarter to unravel the way it did because mm. the defensive structure wasn't there? I do think that, like, even though we've been critical over the years of the Buckley game plan for good reason, there was an element of grit that they could fall back on uh, defensive mechanisms to kind mm. of hold position in the yeah. game, whereas obviously we Save. were just a sieve late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah. is a balancing thing in my opinion. Like, I'm 100% on board pro the Fly McRae game plan. I think that it's mm. giving supporters and the players, like, much-needed inspiration. Hmm. But it's just interesting, you know, we didn't know. I, I didn't know at three-quarter time or early in the fourth whether it was inevitable that they were going to get a massive run on and mm. Geelong was going to win the game or mm. whether we were going to have one more steely effort. And there was moments, I remember Darcy Moore going back for a mark and colliding with another Collingwood player and then it, it bobbling out. And it was just key, these key moments, they just kept on going against us. God. But you're right, you're right. I can, you can sense there's a, like there's a shift in sort of like supporters – sort of view of something diabolical like that. Like I, I, I use my dad as a reference. Like if that happened last year, it would be a, just this scathing torrent of mm. um, vitriol aimed at player, coach, personnel, club, you name it. And this one, it's, it's, it scantly made it made any mention. It was kind of like no. a, a sort of a tongue-in-cheek reference. And I sort of felt the same. I was like I, I caught myself at one point about to go, what, you know, what? Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, this is all, you know, this is, this is well, friend you know, of the pod, less, lesson number three. Friend of the pod, Fritz Schnitz, said, uh, you know, he got the feeling that they'd actually learn more from the loss and they would have if we won. And it was a bit of that. It's like very cathartic in the fabric of our development. This is just a little ripple. Mm. The question is, like, can, can you play that extreme high energy game for four quarters across a long season with a young list? And what well, we're about to find out. It's a recipe, right? And we're we're adding in some MSG. We're mm. adding in a little bit of salt, oh, a little bit of spice. soy sauce, I'd say a bit of Szechuan spice, spice, a bit of chili. Yeah, it's lathered think, in sriracha. I think we went a little bit too hard in the first two rounds, uh, just with the with the cayenne and the um and the jalapenos. So what we've got to do is we'll throw the vat out. We'll come no, back. Don't the throw stock, the vat the, out. No, 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 no. The stock remains the same. The stock remains the same. But we can't we can't consume this anymore. We need new stock. The stock is the same. See, I the think stock, it's like a fur. The stock, the stock has been bubbling with magpie bones. Yeah, it's since, like a, one of those November. faux pots in the back of a Vietnamese it's kitchen a pot, in Victoria. Yeah, it's a, you it's just a fur add pot. things yeah. gradually over time and yeah. the richness develops. Wing of gnat. <laughs> it's a cauldron. <laughs> it's, a, it's fly McRae's witch's cauldron. cauldron. Yeah. A couple of frog's legs. So, yeah, keep the stock, but let's just, uh, you know, maybe uh, some thickener in there. What's a good thickener? Mm. Corn flour, starch. Yeah, gelatinous. Okay, so summing up the film in a couple of words, spicy, boiling hot, <laughs> brothy boil over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick Dacos from the Collingwood Football Club and this is Pie Hard. There's a clear hard yes, um, this week, and it is in reference to a uh, friend of the show, Croydon Toyota and Hilux ambassador, and one of the coolest guys in Fitzroy, 
Darcy Moore mm-hmm. extending his contract six years, I think. Um, Massive. Which basically makes him a pie for life. Yeah. Um, clearly a strong signifier that, as we've been saying for a long time on this podcast, Darcy Moore is the co- next Collingwood captain in waiting, and mm-hmm. as he should be. Yeah. For a number of reasons, including owning a greyhound. Um, but I do have some insight into how Darcy Moore celebrated his latest contract extension. Mm. Now, he was seen falafel in hand with Brody Grundy right. at popular North Fitzroy falafel joint Just for Laughs. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, Isn't that so a is that the one in St. George's Road? That's the one near Super Tasty Rooster. And yeah, Piemonte up near Piemonte's. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, what what an extraordinary way to celebrate a big contact whopping contact extension with a yeah, what a pairing too. stuffed in a pitta. Who's the Maverick and who's the Iceman in that combo? Because that's an overwhelming like presence Dar- to have those two Dar- big boys. Darcy Moore is now he's got to be the Maverick. He's always yeah. been the Maverick. He's always been the Maverick in my heart. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, as you say with the captaincy thing, I've actually got some some numbers here to throw in, which I just think mm. shine uh, interesting light. There's been some chat about, you know, why wasn't Taylor Adams elevated to captaincy? And some were surprised, including myself, that Pendlebury kept the captaincy. And for the record, even though I had my doubts, I actually don't mind that decision now because I think that the continuity of having Pendlebury at the top, bring through the young list mm. and still playing some good footy, I think that's I think that is working. But the numbers, and this was this was um, retrieved from one of the preseason videos through Collingwood Media, when McRae did his Seinfeld sketch and he to announce the um, the leadership group, leadership team, and they put up on the projection the numbers. And I thought there was some interesting things that might elucidate some of those internal politics. So they went with a pure democratic process, which was in itself interesting to actually like okay. The players and the staff both vote for the leaders and the winners numerically are elected, which was very kind of straight up from McRae. Mm, yeah. Now we've got from fourth, we've got Jeremy Howe and mm. the players voted, gave him 390 votes. The staff gave him 448. I won't go through all the numbers, but the interesting mm. one is. I don't, I don't understand them anyway. 390, how many people work there? <laughs> Plus four hundred and forty staff. This is this is this yeah. is soft cap. Everyone gets fifty votes. Um, Ten thousand people at the Lexus Centre. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll skip that. Mm. Adams. The, the interesting point here is that mm. the order was how fourth Adams third more mm. second Penelope first, and so more has leapfrogged Adams in mm. popularity. And mm. I thought the interesting. The interesting kind of vote count was that Adams got 423 votes from the players. Moore got 441. Okay, so Moore's a little bit more popular with the players. Mm. But from the staff, Adams got 444 votes and Moore got 545. Wow. So there's something going on there where I think certain elements of the clubs clearly see that Moore is, I think, probably a progressive forward-thinking choice as a leader. And I just note that there's when the contract extension got announced, there was a video released of interviewing Darcy. Did you see it yesterday? No. Well, it's got this kind of saccharine, you know, dramatic piano music and it's Darcy talking <laughs> in 
emotive tones about the contract and how he mm. only ever wanted to play for Collingwood. But the thing I took out of it is it's like 100% like textbook script. And yeah. I reckon in the McRae era, one thing I'm noticing is that I think he's brought Grundy into line um, and yeah. making him more of a team player. And I mm. think Moore is following suit and you can see that maybe the leadership vote was a wake-up call. It's like, hang on, like mm. if I play my cards right here, I'm actually like a legitimate chance to be next captain. And yeah. as we've said, we would support that choice. Darcy Moore is just a great communicator. And I, I, I imagine, so with the, with the staff votes, does that include like janitor, you know, like janitors and, and canteen well, staff and cleaners? Well, there'd be, a, there'd be an uproar if like someone, the boots started came if out and said I didn't get a vote. Sure, that includes the catering ladies. And so I imagine with that, that Darcy Moore is, is really a man of the people and will stop and chat to, yeah. you know, the CEO and also the person that picks up the banana peels. Yeah, well, Jeremy well Adams is just grunting over the lap pools. Mm, yeah, mm. that actually, I, I, I'm going to drop a hard no on you, mm. Alex. You right. did raise it, and I picked this up during a clip of um, Reef McInnes being told he was going to play his first game for the Collingwood Football Club. Mm-hmm. You know how you, you say a couple of words about you know the kid and what they bring to the club and their training efforts and all that, and why they deserve this opportunity. Mm. Taylor Adams, vice captain. And some would argue, you know, in the in the frame for the Collingwood captaincy, he was he was earmarked, he was tapped on the shoulder, and he did the he did the very brief presentation. Mm. But he did so lying down <laughs> in a very yeah. in a Odd. in a relax like a, an overly relaxed like you know one leg up, one leg long, like, like if you were watching, yeah. you know, Drive to Survive on Netflix. From memory, you know, when McRae when McRae threw to Taylor Adams. Mm. Adams was sitting on the floor. Mm. He then lay down on one elbow. Yeah, on one elbow, like he was at Margaritaville. And the <laughs> optics of that, I think, are absolute trash. I don't know why absolute I didn't stand up. Absolute trash. Maybe I'm reading into it a bit too much, but um, I would I would assume that that's an occasion where you stand up, you get in front of the group, you address the group, and you you know, embrace and, and, and shake the hand of the player that you're, um, you know, because that only happens once in your career. You get kind, another shot to it was kind debut. Of, I'm sure that halfway through his little speech, Taylor was like, fuck, why didn't I stand up? Like, it's quite awkward lying down, and mm. but then it's too late. Um, it just, he didn't think it through. No. But maybe Fly McRae should have been like, Taylor, when I, when I mention your name, just come up and stand beside me and just mm. orchestrate it. A bit of choreography wouldn't go astray. Alexis. Yeah, and I'm I'm not trying to be too critical on Taylor Adams. Oh, I've um, got to say, for the record, like on field, he is such a vital cog. Absolutely, absolutely. A role model on the field, putting his head over the ball. Big fan of Taylor um, when he's upright. <laughs> okay, so looking ahead to our game against West Coast. Now, I've been doing a little bit of digging and... If Fly needs some, you know, extra motivation against the uh, West Coast Eagles at Marvel Stadium on Saturday, he needs to look no further than an article I found in none other than the New York Times. Right. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read out, um, I'm gonna read out the article, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Hit me. The Australian magpie is one of the cleverest birds on earth. It has a beautiful song of extraordinary complexity. It can recognise and remember up to 30 different human faces. But Australians know magpies best for their penchant for mischief. 
Mm. Now, the magpie's latest mischief has been to outwit the scientists who would study them. Scientists, I believe it was in New South Wales, showed in a study published last month in the journal Australian Field Ornithology just how clever magpies really are and in the process revealed a highly unusual example in nature of birds helping one another out without any apparent tangible benefit to themselves. Mm. Now, the doctor, Dr. Potvin and her team, what they did was they attached like GPS tracking devices to the bird's feet in a, in a, in a study to monitor behavior and, and, and patterns mm-hmm. like you would with a great white shark. Tag. Um, now, the magpies weren't hurt in this process, but within minutes, the experiment, which I think had taken like 12 months to, to plan and prep and, and countless dollars, started to unravel. Quote, the first tracker was off half an hour after we put it on, she said. We were literally packing up our gear and watching it happen. Now, what happened, Alex, mm. and this is truly where I think this motivational um, speech could go, is in an act of cooperation, the magpie wearing the tracker remained absolutely still while the other magpie worked at the harness with its beak. Mm. Sharp beak. Within 20 minutes, the helping magpie had found the weak spot, you know, the Death Star, yeah. weak spot in the Death Star, yeah. a single clasp, the barely Alan, a millimetre long. Allen key. The Allen key. And snipped it with its beak. Um, the doctor later observed more magpies uh, removing harnesses from the other two birds. Mm. It took six months to reach this point, and within three days, every single device had been removed by the magpies. Wow. It's kind of Matrix stuff. They're choosing... They're choosing the blue pill. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know. I don't know, you know, if he wants to use it, but it's there. It's on the New York Times website. It's not pay gated, but yeah. um, remarkable creatures. And look. So you, you're suggesting use it in the pump up before the game against the Eagles? Oh, 100%. Yeah, okay. So inst- instead of bringing in a past player, maybe bring in Dr. Potvin. Uh, maybe bring in the scientific team. Maybe bring in the magpies that actually perform the the miraculous escape. But it got me thinking too. Uh, just how many magpie supporters have also helped a mate remove a tracking device from an ankle yeah. ahead of a game? It's very Amitsford. <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple in the cheer squad that are uh, moving around more freely these days, thanks to a um, <laughs> magpie buddy. One bite of gammy chicken, one bite of your mate's ankle bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling that if you're a magpie supporter and you have an ankle bracelet, the club should do a deal with like the government where, you know, on match days you get two hours off. It's like a membership perk. Anyway, so West Coast, what's going on? Well, Damo, I was going to ask you, now that we're doing match analysis in our own, in our own cinematic way, mm. I think it'd be, it would be remiss of us not to do some forward-thinking analysis. Mm. I'm just mm. going to ask you the simple question. Mm. What do you think of... When I say the words West Coast Eagles. Um, messages on hold. Wow, what is, what's that referencing? Messages on hold. Do you remember in early West Coast Eagles games, it might be a deep cut for some people, but it was one of the most popular guerrilla marketing campaigns at the time. The supporters in the cheer squad would have a large foam hand. <laughs> no, behind I don't the remember Do you, you remember? Do you, you, no. don't re- you don't remember? Like crazy right, John's. Like a Crazy John's hand, a foam hand saying messages on hold. And it was a company, like this in the old days, where you'd like 
call a company, they wouldn't be there. And so, they'd leave a recorded message. That's what they did. (laughs) So, they like recorded VO recorded messages. But it was like one of the greatest stunts. So, what they actually did was they went to the cheer squad. The company went to the cheer squad. I think this is outlawed now. You could never get away with it. But paid every cheer squad member five bucks to Mm. wear the big fluoro, um, the fluoro yellow hand, pointed hand with the messages on hold. I was going to say, why would people, yeah do that for a brand but um only in perth mm. eh? okay so that, that that was that was my that's the first thing that comes to mind when i think of the west coast eagles what about you look i think pectorals um <laughs> from those early 90s you know west coast strip which i think they've kind of brought back it's the shape of the blue and the yellow seems to like outline a muscular form i think yeah. glenn jackovich because they were quite built those malthouse teams that won two mm. flags they were quite built mm. I, I think hungry jacks which is obviously mm. um, Hungry that, Jacks, definitely. that brand association working. Mm. I think Fishbowl, the Fishbowl of Perth, it's Perth. just weird over there, mining boom, like weird affluence. Uh, Sunshine, mm. um, won't be much of that this mm. uh, this weekend in the hot box that is Marvel Stadium. Mm. Um, and I think Gurning because, <laughs> um, well, enough said. But um, my, my take on the game, uh, and not so much match analysis, just more like uh, I guess a Gwyneth a Gwyneth moment for me is mm. the sliding doors of the 2018 grand final. And when mm. I say that, I mean, we obviously lost the grand final, but West Coast winning the grand final, I think, enabled them to go down a route of kind of doubling down uh, and being continuing to be that old list and getting as much out of their, you know, top end talent as they could. And so Milky, they didn't yeah. have that necessarily that big regenerative push. Whereas us, and this is the other side of the sliding door, mm. us, Losing the grand final led to the unraveling of the Buckley era, mm. and precipitated that new mm. that new direction yeah. in drafting and that attention yeah. to youth. Yeah, and it's just interesting because I think now we're coming to a point where that divergence could be laid out for all to see on the ground. Mm. When mm. you know, not only with the injury problems and, and problems with COVID and whatnot, and problems with anti-vaxxers, but just the age profile of yeah. a lot of their stars. Whereas we are the flip side, we've coming yeah. through with this exciting young talent, like mm. you know, which is just a marvel to watch. Pardon the pun. So mm. yeah, we might just be reaching that stage where the the aftershocks of the 2018 Grand Final come home to roost. Yeah, I, lo- I love I love that theory. I love the I love the sliding doors moment because if you look back, it was definitely a catalyst, right, mm. for for what's followed, and a chrysalis, if you will, for the Collingwood Football Club, where we sort of you know, retreated to our cocoon and have mm-hmm. emerged in, in a new shape. What What's interesting, I think, is we typically, you know, West Coast has always been a very tough team, certainly over the last five years for us to match up on. They mm. they, they normally get us in the, um, in, the air. Fo- in the forward department and in the air. But that was then and this is now. So it's a different system. It's a different game plan. But just what can we expect now? A new coach, a new regime, yeah. a new structure, a new style. It's going to be very interesting. So, Damo, I believe you're heading to the Dome this Saturday in the, the strange late afternoon slot. Take us through, you know, we're big proponents of the MCG experience mm, culturally, mm, mm. obviously, on this podcast. Mm. But take us through the ultimate experience of how to set up a match day at the Dome. Well, first of all, Alex, great question. I like to give myself roughly about six and a half hours just to get to the <laughs> um, 
to get to Docklands. Now, I, I only live, <laughs> live in Sydney. You know, I live within 10 kilometers of, of the stadium. But as we all know, a trip to the Dome is not without its sacrifices. It's like, it's like an episode of Survivor. You have to get through so many challenges and so many struggles just before you can take a seat yeah. in that really lop- lopsided kind of stadium. What I like to do is um, maybe get there, you know, half an hour early, um, walk in, find my seat. Uh, there's a carvery. There's always some kind of carvery going on. It's kind of like the only stadium in Australia where, like, you'll walk past a window and there's a guy with, like, a huge <laughs> flank of beef carving out rolls. I, I just, it's something that, you know, yeah. I don't know if it's... What's that medallion club? My experience of the dome is that sometimes you rug up and then sometimes yeah. it's quite balmy inside. It's pretty balmy, yeah. It's roof on, roof off. Yeah, it becomes a it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a sweatshop in there. I think the key there is layers. Yeah. So, you know, you just need to layer up, bring a tote or something so you can kind of, you know, ditch those layers when it starts to get a bit steamy under the roof. And I'll tell you what, if Collingwood is up, mm. Collingwood if Collingwood has another third quarter like they did and can actually keep it rolling for the full four. It's going to be a sauna. It's going to be like, you know, heard the trend of these infrared saunas? No. I actually would love an infrared sauna at my place. So, they yeah. just, you know, dispense with the whole hot stones and, and water, um, you know, Swedish style. You just get in there. There's a big red lamp and it just bakes you. And I think, you know, minus the hardwood, replace the hardwood for the concrete. I think the yeah. dome is going to turn into a sauna. So, potentially could lose two kilograms in the dome if Collingwood is uh, up and about. Sweat fest and hot box with the roof on. There might be a hot box going on. I think it's a perfect <laughs> perfect condition for a hot box game. It's a it's a Saturday afternoon against an interstate team. Yeah, the game will finish right around dinner time and you'll just stroll up Burke Street to, you know, one of those delicious uh, of establishments in the yeah, top yeah, end of yeah, town. Stumble out with a dry mouth, I think, uh, <laughs> at this one. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. There's nothing better than a hot box at the dome and I think that's what we're going to do this week. Thanks, Alex, for joining. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This... 